You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. I treat business like sports, right? Every sports has multiple different coaches, right? They have a think about football. You've got a quarterback coach. You've got a, a kickoff coach, punting coach, you've got a linebacker coach, running back, yep. I mean, and then you take it off the field and you've got strength and conditioning coaches and nutrition, like it's just, it's just so many layers of coaches, right? So one, number two, they're doing something a little different and I wish we could spend more time training, but we, you have to get the work, you gotta, yeah. You gotta, but they're practicing all week long to play, what, a, a 60 minute game, okay. or right? So. I'm like, we need to train more. We need to practice more in order to be better, to work that muscle so that we can close more deals, so that we can be more efficient, so that I can get my my marketing. Like prior to doing this, I was going wide. The We Love Equity Show is brought to you by Azria. Widely recognized as an outstanding resource for real estate investors with exceptional education, networking, and support, along with profit-enhancing benefits and all aspects of real estate investing. Visit Azria at www.azria.org. That's visit Azria at www.azria.org. Hey, welcome, 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 welcome. What's up? We love equity real estate family. I am excited today to have a very special guest on the show. So on today, I always like to bring guests that can really intrigue you, bring something new, something different to the table. And today we have uh, a New York transplant to the North Carolina market. We have Terry Thayer. Terry started from swinging a hammer to now emerging and excellent real estate investors. So I want to welcome Terry to the audience, to the, to the stage, to our We Love Equity family. And he's going to give you some insights and input on how to really grow your real estate business. He's a big process and systems guy. So make sure you have your pen, your paper. Let's get ready and let's dig in. So Terry, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. All right. All right, Terry. So kind of tell us, man, you started on the other side of the table. You were the contractor swinging the hammer. How did you evolve? First of all, how did you get started as a contractor? And then how did you evolve into doing deals? Yeah. So I was pretty much, I grew up in, in that side of things as being a contractor. My dad was a contractor. So literally every moment I got, you know, break of school, uh, summer break, stuff like that, I'd go to work with him. I would just I always just wanted to grind, hustle, make money in any way, shape or form that I could. So I was, I would do that all the way up until we moved, we were in New York growing up doing that and then moved down to North Carolina. And he started a, a siding business. And at one point in time, turned it into really focused on the vinyl siding part of, of the siding. And at one point in time, the supplier said that he was the largest siding company in the world. Well, the country, but there's really not a whole lot of vinyl siding going outside of the U.S. So, right, right. So he used to like the, to say, I'm the biggest vinyl siding company in the world. And I, I was a project manager for it. And I ran everything outside of the office and a lot of the scheduling inside the office. And I just got to the point, like I was even, I was in my early twenties and it, it wasn't enough for me. It was, it was, I felt like every single day was, you ever see that movie Groundhog Day? Yep. Wakes up he, the exact same day, just, just keeps reliving over and day, over and over. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you couldn't change the narrative no matter what you did. And it just got to the point where I just, I was like, look, either you're going to cut me in as a partner or pay me a whole lot more money or I'm out. And he didn't want to do either. So I, I left. 
And uh, so you I, actually, you sat dad to the negotiation table and said, Hey dad, this is what it is. I done made you the largest vinyl company in America or in the country, or I mean, in the world, world. what are we going to do here? I need in on this. I need an equity stake or you need to boost me up. How did that conversation go? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was many years ago, over 20 years ago. I don't really remember how it went down, but I, <laughs> that I ended up leaving. So. Okay. Okay. So it wasn't favorable for you at the time. <laughs> oh, no, and, I, and I was okay with that. I just, I did, knew I wanted something more. I knew I was burnt out from that side of things. It wasn't enough for me. It was like, but then I used to always think when I was on that side, what would it be like to be the other side? Like be the, the builder, be the guys who are, you know, buying these properties, own these properties. Cause I would do a lot of apartment complexes as well. Okay. I was like, what would it be like to be those guys? So when I left, I, I you know, was trying to figure things out and would do some renovations for people, kitchens and baths, kind of killing time. And a buddy of mine and I bought a property just because we had heard this, this rumor that if you have like, for example, a three bedroom, three bath or four bedroom, four bath house, you can rent a bedroom and a bathroom for 650 bucks a month because it was close to the university, close to NC State. We're like, damn, okay. So we find this house like literally right down the road from this house. And it was just under a hundred grand, little ranch. We cut the roof off and put a second floor addition and make it a four bedroom, four bath house. And, wow. and that's exactly what we did. We rented it out for, but while we're doing this house, we, we went and we were in a company. Like, <laughs> I think he bought it and his name, it wasn't even like, we did, there was no partnership. There was no, like, I wasn't even officially a part of it. Right. Nothing formal, huh? Nothing formal. We were like, Hey, let's do this. And we just did it. And we went, went down the road. There was like this little sign shop and we had this sign made and we, we created this fictitious company named Titan Development. <laughs> we throw a sign in the yard and we're like, yeah, we're Titan development. We, there was no LLC. There no, was no LLC, nothing. Not even <laughs> so we did that. And while we're building this house, all the neighbors wanted to sell us their properties. And so oh, wow. we ended up buying properties like crazy. And we ended up later developing Titan development and we became Titan development. We partnered up officially. We were buying properties all over this whole neighborhood and a lot of them, we would cut the roofs off, put second floor additions. We were uh, flipping a lot of properties, just doing whether we would, some some we would put a second floor addition and sell them to investors. Or we were just selling them, just as putting little additions on them or just rehabbing a property and selling them. So one of the things I want to jump in here real quick, Terry, is... Guys, you hear that? Terry said, look, we didn't have an LLC. We didn't have an, we didn't even have a DBA. We just said, we're just going to jump out here and we're just going to do stuff. And they just got it done. And then they developed everything on the back end. So if you're sitting there, you're trying to figure it out. What is my LLC name going to be? How do I form an LLC? How do I do this? How do I do that? Look, man, just cut the crap. Stop doing all of that stuff. Just get out there and start doing stuff. So Terry just spoke on that. So you heard right after this podcast, again, get out there and start doing stuff. So Terry, that house in 2002, you guys cut off the roof and you had all of these neighbors just flooding in trying to sell you their houses. How did you guys structure that? What did, cause you, you're just getting started. So remember it was 2002. Okay, pre-2008. Yep. It was a completely different animal back then. And you can go into banks and just say, hey, I want a loan. They'd be like, okay. And they didn't even ask for your social security half the time. So it didn't ask for your tax ID or it was just like here to sign up. Right. For, for years, for many years, all the way up until that point, that's what it was like. Like you can go into banks and you can get loans. I mean, I'm being a little exaggerating a little bit, but I mean, it was pretty much that easy to get money from banks. Obviously, it's not that way anymore. Right, right. We well, it's almost it's almost that way again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's but it's still not like it right, was. Right. It was so easy to get money back then. And. You know, then the, the the crash happens, and when that happened, we had just split our partnership at, at just before the crash. Luckily, okay, of two thousand eight, and at that point, I didn't know how to get money, so I didn't I didn't know about private money. I just knew about banks. So, 
I went and I was doing high-end renovations for people for a few years. And in 2012, I learned about private money and that was it. It was like, okay, let's go back to work. And we just so, started buying properties again. So to clarify, tell, tell the people that may not know, what is private money, Terry? So private money is just a, a typically an, any individual who has any kind of money in any way, shape or form, whether it's in a savings account. I mean, we have money, private money lenders that lend us money that borrow money to lend it to us. So like they have lines of credit that they get at like four or 5% lend it to us at 10% and they make the spread on somebody else's money. I mean, that's what the banks do, right? Yep. When we're getting yep. our money in the bank, they're giving us a small percentage and then lending it out and making a, a difference. So they, they just lend it to us. We have a promissory note, deed of trust, close on the property. So when we are finished with the property, we go to sell the property, they get satisfied before we do so gotcha. okay yeah so, so guys that, that's that's the nuts and bolts of private money private money is just people out here that have like terry said a 401k or they're invested in the stock and they want to put put money elsewhere where they can get a larger or faster return instead of getting three four percent they can come to us as investors that need capital and make 10 12 somewhere even sometimes 15 percent on their money. So the money is definitely out there, guys, but we got to make sure that you guys know that the money is out there, but you got to be doing something with it. So Terry, you started raising all of this private money. What would you put in it towards? Buying properties. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I didn't start marketing. It was honestly, this is where I really became introduced to wholesalers as well, because before the crash, I didn't know about wholesaling and really I didn't know marketing back then either. It was just we would just get into neighborhoods and we just start buying like crazy, like knocking on doors. Like while we're doing this property, we're knocking on all the doors of all the other properties, or we would talk to realtors and realtors were bringing us deals. That's what it was prior to 2008. After okay. 2008, wholesalers were, uh, it was when I first, the first property I bought going back into it was from a wholesaler. And then we would buy, we bought a few from wholesalers and then we started doing marketing, direct mail. Back in the okay. day, I mean, you put out a thousand letters or not even, you put out 500 letters and get five deals. <laughs> wow. I wish, I wish those days were here again. <laughs> no, like you can't even, sometimes you get one call with a thousand letters, right? <laughs> yeah. So you were doing a direct mail. So you got introduced to wholesaling from a wholesaler that you were buying deals from. And you say, but I can actually get out here and kind of do this on my own. And you started marketing and you started finding these deals yourself okay so tell us because you got so much going on terry you have the wholesale company the fix and flip company buy and hold new builds e-commerce you got tab which is your educational platform which we're going to talk about so tell me what were i know you said that you guys were going out knocking on doors what were some of those other grassroots uh marketing tactics that you guys were using to find deals and what are some of the things that you're doing now to find deals yeah. So for years we would just do like, it was, I had BAs, like I would take areas, small areas, like downtown areas, regentrification areas. Right. And that's why I mostly focused on downtown Raleigh, downtown Durham. And we would have BAs just go and scrub all of these areas and put them on spreadsheets. Like it was, you know, it was definitely the hard way, but there wasn't the whole like buy a list in this right. specific area, have it skip trades. Like that wasn't, like you had to manually do it back then. As, as far as I knew, I didn't know about like batch skip and all yeah, these. Yeah, batch leads and, and yeah. prop stream and everything else. Back the then you had to, that, yeah, you had to work for, work it, for the lead. <laughs> yeah, so I had VAs that were just like, I'd be like, I would just literally give them an outline of an area and say like, I want all the data and as many phone numbers as you can find in this area. And then I have, I would have a team of people just cold calling them and just seeing if they were interested. And then I would get, I would get on the phone with them or I would have an acquisitions person. And between that and then literally just going to, so on these spreadsheets, they would have like, this is the property I want and this is where they live. Because a lot of times they were rental properties. So then we would go to where they live and just knock on their door and ask them if they want to sell the property. And that's, that's what we did for many, many years between that and direct mail. So those old guerrilla marketing tactics were, were, were absolutely working. Okay. Yeah. 
For sure. And then what would happen is for, for years, it was like, I would never consider myself a wholesaler, but we wholesaled probably 10, 12, 15 properties a year. Because remember, we were just focusing on the small area. Anything in here, we would flip or tear down and build new. But if, okay. if they would have, maybe they have one house here, but then they have two houses outside of my little bubble. And so these two gotcha. houses, numbers worked. Okay, we would lock those ones down too. And I would assign those two to, to another cash buyer. So that's that's what so I've been wholesaling since 2000, probably 13. I think okay. it was probably the first time I did it. And then fast forward all the way up until we get up to 2018. 2018, I had 88 properties at one particular time. I remember, I remember clearly, 88. Most okay. of it was houses that I was tearing down or I had already tore down and I'm building new and they were in some type of phase of building. Some of them we were flipping and other ones we were Maybe maybe we were wholesaling something. No, actually, out of the 88, none of them were wholesales. They were either builds or flips. And I'm okay. like, in downtown areas, right? So I'm, I have all these houses scattered all over. And I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm at a point where, like, when I had 10 of them or even 20 of them, it was, it was manageable, right? But when you have that many just scattered, I mean, if it was in, like, if I had 10 in one little neighborhood, one street or something, like a development, and then 10 more over here, that'd be one thing. But they were literally scattered all over the place. It was hard to be efficient. So I made the decision at that point to stop doing business or stop focusing on these two downtown areas to do teardown so, new builds. So let me ask you something, Terry, because... Scaling having 88, they were all single family units, correct? Yes. Having 88 single family units all in one downtown metro area, I can imagine that was crazy hard and you had tons of inefficiencies. How did your team, how did you structure everything to manage all of these properties? I mean, it was between different CRMs, spreadsheets. It just got to the point where it was, it, it, it was, almost impossible to be efficient. It was like you needed so many, so much more manpower to, to manage it because they were scattered all over the place. Yep. But it was, we did the best we could. And I think we did pretty well. I mean, we were very profitable, but it just, two things were happening. We were spread out. Okay. So we're spread too thin. Number yep. one, two, these, the municipalities, downtown Raleigh, downtown Durham, all, there was so much growth happening that they were like changing the rules as they went. And it wasn't, the UDO wasn't being written and saying, this is what it is. They were just making it up as they go. So we gotcha. got to the point where they're like, I don't know how, how to deal with this. There's so much change that we're gonna treat them like they're new developments. Even though they've been there a hundred years or 60, wow. hundred years, we're gonna treat it like it's new, de new developments. So what was happening is, for example, a new development, if, there's curb, gutter, sidewalk all in, and they're doing the final inspection, the final walkthrough. All that has to be good. If it's something got damaged, then you have to replace it. Well, that's fine. It's a new development and understandable. But remember, when you own a property, you typically own from the sidewalk back. In, right. You don't own from the sidewalk to the curb. Like That's that's a city. Uh, so they were making us change out all this curb, all the gutter, all the, and think about it when you're on a corner lot, it got yeah, really that's a lot. That's a lot. So that's just one example of many of, it was costing us on average at least $10,000 more plus extra holding time dealing with what the city couldn't handle as change. Yeah. So basically you guys were doing a development for the city. They didn't want to change out curbs and sidewalks. Exactly. So they passed the buck on to the investor. Well, you're doing the work, you're upgrading the house. Well, upgrade this sidewalk while you're at it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's terrible. That is terrible. So you had these 88 units. What did you guys started doing? Were you just dispoing them, started getting rid of them, or were you doing the work? No, we built and sold just about every single one of them. But at that point, we made a decision to stop buying all these random lots and we're only going to buy in developments. So okay. I was going to buy 10 at a time and have everything in one development or, or whatever, however many I was going to buy in a development. But we weren't going to buy like one here, one here, one there, just scattered all over the place. So we stopped buying these areas. We built out all these and we're buying in other developments, but 
when we did that, when you buy in development, you just go to a developer and they sell you lots. You don't have to do marketing. Right. So we're like, what do we want to do with the marketing acquisition side of our company? So we decided to break it off into its own company in okay. 2018. And that's when we developed OfferHut. That's the name of our, our wholesale okay. marketing acquisitions company. And now we crank out, we have a whole team virtual that is running right here out of this office and we're doing, we have deals. I think most of our deals right this minute are in Tennessee and North Carolina, but we've had deals in, I think, actually, I think we have one in, in Tennessee or um, Texas. Now that I think about it. So when we've you had them all over the country. Okay. So when you, when you transition, well, not really transition, when you open up the acquisition side towards wholesaling, how did you do that pivot? I know you said that you had an acquisitions manager at the time. How, how did that whole pivot take place? Because I know a lot of people, they, they'll sit there and they'll say, okay, well, we were a development company and we're focusing on development. Now it's going to take us six months, eight months or something like that to transition to this wholesale company. How did you do it? How did you do it effectively? And man, what was kind of some of the timelines on you guys getting that done? Yeah. So here's the thing. We tripped and fell and it was hard, right? We, we were like, okay, let's break it off, make it its own company. We made it its own company. We started pumping money into marketing and didn't have the system set up to do it at that scale. Gotcha. Right. So instead of like sending out a thousand letters or really focusing on this small area, now we're going wide and we're trying to be just as efficient, if not more, and get more properties in contract. And we're running all over the place. We're not doing it virtually at first. Almost going back to those 88 doors where you got stuff all over the place. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And then ironically, so I started like research. I'm like different mentors. I'm like trying to find, I'm at an age right now. I know that there's a faster way of doing things, a better way of doing things. And I don't have to re reinvent the wheel, like find out who's doing it at the highest level, go there and, and work with them. So yep. I, ironically, I ended up working with Carlos, Carlos Reyes in your market there. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, go ahead. No, I was saying, so you got connected with Carlos Reyes. Carlos was actually just on the podcast, what, last week or two weeks ago. So you got connected, got yeah. connected with Carlos. What did you, what did you glean from them? What did you learn from them to really help your business explode? So what's funny is, let me just tell the story. Okay. So I, I, I reach out, like I, a lot of people, I'm like, hey, who's doing this at a high level? Carlos's name kept coming up. I'm following him on Instagram and I'm seeing all his, you know, stories and stuff and posts and i'll tell you what i'm just like i mean again i'm i'm 45 years old like i'm so sick of all these crappy ass guru gurus that just like their phone they got flashy their this up. flashy yeah, that yeah and i'm like is this dude real or is he just one of these gurus so anyways i ended i was going to vegas for an event and my wife and i were going to an event and i, I called up carlos i said i messaged him on instagram i said hey here we go to this event. I was like, you mind if I stop in Phoenix for a day, come meet you and just see what you got going on before I head over? He's like, yeah, sure. Come on out. So I met with him. Alex was actually going to the same event I was going to, and he left that day. So Alex wasn't there, but Sal and Carlos were there. Okay. So I think they've got going on. I'm like, yep, this is it. So I, I, I remember I was like, hey, I was like, I got them into their little office. This is their old office. And I was like, all right, how much? And they're like, how much what? I'm like, how much to mentor me and show me how to do this? And I was like, I want this formula. And they're like, uh, no, we're not doing that. I'm like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> we're actually, they were at that point where they were doing one-on-one -on -one previously to, with a couple of clients. They realized how much time it took. And this is before they were yep. doing a group thing. And they're like, uh, so I ended up after about two or three weeks, I closed them. I sold them. And he, he tells the story too. I, I, I closed Carlos Reyes. <laughs> okay. You close the closer. Uh, close the closer. Right. And, and, you know, he tells me a number. I'm like, boom, we wired it over. It, it could have been double. It didn't matter because like I could figure this out over the next two or three years or I can, or I can, with this help, I can figure it out within six months. I remember telling those guys, I'm like, look, there's not a thing you're going to teach me about real estate because I've been doing this since you were almost in diapers. I was right. like, but I want to know the specific system on how to do the marketing acquisition side of this at the most efficient, highest level possible. And you guys got to figure it out. And, and that's what they did. They basically, the majority, they sent me over a Google Drive and we've taken it and turned it into something a little bit different. And okay. we've just been over here scaling it and doing 
doing our thing on the East Coast. So what was the, like the most important thing that you learned when starting that wholesale business? Was it, was it the people? Was it the processes? Was it the systems? Kind of what, because you knew, you knew the real estate. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll go, I'll break a few of them down. Right. So one is skip tracing was a huge one, right? We were buying the right list, but then we're skip tracing. I didn't realize the difference in quality with the different skip trace companies. So you're trying to save a buck or like somebody has it for a low price, it's probably crap data. Yep. yep. That was a that was a big thing that I learned. Like if if it's not credit data, it's not even worth buying, right? So you're right. Skip tracing, the marketing in general, having the right CRM to flow everything to be able to uh, convert virtually. And the next, uh, what was I just going to, I was just thinking of one other piece of that. Oh, then, then it was like the people. Okay. So each department, the SOPs for each department and how to pay each person. Gotcha. Okay. Like that right there allowed me to just take that, like, give me the formula and let me scale it. So it's basically the, the systems and human resources, human capital. How do you merge these two together and and really get out there and get going. So it's marketing. So I always, and me and Carlos even talked about this. It's always like people process, people in process, the product, and like the system. Those are the most important things, most important components in the business. I don't care what business it is. You got to have the right people, got to have the right processes. You got to have the right systems. You got to have the right product. You can create everything. If you don't have the right product, you're yeah. just creating just to create. So, so you got all of this stuff and you're starting, you're hitting the ground running really, really hard. Tell us about like that first two or three months where you got deal flow coming in, you're, you're working with your people kind of take us through that evolution. Yeah, it was crazy because I have multiple other companies. So it's not like I have time to sit on phones all day long. Yeah. Ryan did do it. Me and my partners, like we figured out how to do it. We grinded through it. We got things, we got a deal flow going. And then we started hiring the first acquisitions person and then the next one and next one. And then started building out all the departments. And now, honestly, like I, I have very little to do with that company. I probably, my, I, I probably spend about five hours a week in that company. And those five hours are mostly in training my team every single day. Okay. All right. So, so. You built up this team, you got to virtual and everything going like that. Tell me about the training because I did listen to you on Steve Tran's Real Estate Disruptors. You were talking about every morning for the first hour, you guys are doing trainings. That's, yep. I never heard that before. So kind of run that bias. Yeah. So about a year ago, I started thinking really about business. How can we make things, take things to the next level? And one of the things that I treat, I treat business like sports. Right. Every sports has multiple different coaches, right? They have a yep. think about football. You've got a quarterback coach. You've got a, a kickoff coach, a punting coach. You've got a linebacker coach, running back. Yep. I mean, and then you take it off the field and you've got strength and conditioning coaches and nutrition. Like it's just, it's just so many layers of coaches, right? So one, number two, they're doing something a little different. And I wish we could spend more time training, but we, you have to get the work and you got to, yeah. Stuff. But they're practicing all week long to play what a, a 60 minute game. Okay. A right. So I'm like, we need to train more. We need to practice more in order to be better, to work that muscle so that we can close more deals so that we can be more efficient so that I can get my, my marketing, like Prior to doing this, I was going wide. Now we're going deep. What do I mean by that? We'd have multiple acquisitions people. And just, we weren't putting all the time into these, all these acquisitions people. We were just giving them a training system and then put them to work. We just figured more people on the phones, right? way to more deals, right? And really what it was is that, yeah, I mean, we were getting deals, but it was, it was costing us a lot with manpower, right? You got mm -hmm. manpower, you've got computers, you've got like, there's so much. And then really look at the efficiency and the waste. And so we ended up trimming it down to just a handful of acquisitions people. And now we're going deep with it. Now we're working with these people and we're every single day, we start off the day, the first hour of every single day, 
just do, doing nothing but training. We record every one of our trainings. So anybody new has access to the li library of trainings. My whole mentorship program has access to all these trainings and we just break everything down and in real life, just different scenarios and how we deal with each one of them. We listen to calls live or not live calls, but recorded calls and we break those down. We look at the KPIs. We, I mean, there's just so many different things that we're doing, but one hour every single day we're training. That's good. Cause, cause the only way you can perform at, at a high level is to train and practice at a high level. And that's, that's some of the things that I tell people that I'm affiliated with is if you want to perform at a high level, you have to practice at that same level that you want to perform at. If not, then you're going to be at this level down here when you're trying to perform up here. And the only thing that happens between here and here is frustration because you're going to be wondering, why am I not getting to that next level? Why am I not excelling? Why, why is our team not pushing the envelope and doing more deals and things like that? So that's, that's very key. I like that in regards to the practice and the performance. So tell me, Terry, so you're cranking these deals out. You're getting everything going. You got new builds. I mean, we didn't even touch the systems on the flips and the buying holds and everything like that. How is your team kind of structured now? Like, I know you said you're, you're going deep and not wide. So like how many acquisitions managers, how many lead people kind of give us just a little breakdown of, of your process and flow. Yeah. Before I do that, I want to mention this because a lot of people are like, oh, well, what if you don't have a team? How do you practice? You practice, right? So yep. it's going to be, you're going to, it's a little bit different because if it's only you, it's only you, right? So it's like, you have to kind of like go through different role playing and you have to listen to some of your calls and, and how you could have done better. You have to have a mentor, someone to help push you along uh, to the next level. I mean, that's, there's so many different ways that you yep. can train yourself, but you still need to do it, whether you have a team or if it's just you. So what does our team look like today? So we've, we're down to uh, two acquisitions people. Okay. We have one junior acquisitions and the junior acquisitions only is in this office just to become an acquisitions. Okay. Right? So they're a follow-up manager in training to be an acquisitions manager. Gotcha. So they're right? getting some OJT on the job training. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, so there's uh, that, that's what we've got a, a dispositions person who used okay. to be more like, she used to be more like dispositions transaction coordinator. Now we have a VA that does all the TC work and she manages the VA. Then, okay. so she's more like now, instead of just dispositions, she's more like dispositions asset manager. So she's acquiring deals from other wholesalers. She's, she's evaluating the deals to see if we want to flip the property, looking at our criteria that we have. Okay. She will, she's almost like becomes like project management. So she's got those. some under, like some underwriting responsibilities just to vet the deals and make sure the exactly. numbers pencil out. Exactly. And then she, she gathers all the information, puts it all together and says, Hey, what do you want to do? You, you good with this? And then we, we review it. And if everything's good, then we, we buy the, we actually have one right now. I just literally, just before we started recording, I told her, go ahead, buy it. Tell them we'll close on it next week. Got a question for you. So how did you get to that position of trust to let her run the numbers and she just bring the spreadsheet to you and you say, okay, this is the deal. We want it. Training, number one. So she started off at one point. We're, she's gone through our initial training and we're just constantly working together. And I'm just, it's just like being in the gym, right? You want to bench 300 pounds. You're not going to start off going in laying under a bench, pushing 300 pounds. Like, All right. You're going to kill yourself. 175. And then you know, a couple of weeks later, 185, you're pushing, pushing, you're working that muscle, working that muscle. So we're working that muscle. We're just showing her the next level. And then there's checks and balances, right? So there's different spreadsheets that we've created, calculators, you can call them okay. uh, to, to basically evaluate the deal, how we want to evaluate it. We have different criteria that she's looking for. We're training every single day on what, how to get better and better and better. And then she's just putting it to work. And then before, like she can never just go out and buy something, right? It's got to, we have to give a final thumbs up, but it's like, here, bring this to me this way. Allow me to make a decision. And as she collects the data, she says, hey, I think this one's good. What do you think? We either say yay or nay. And if it's nay, we tell her why. 
Okay, gotcha. Perfect, perfect. So let's take a brief break, Terry. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. We'll come right back. And when we come back, we want to talk about what do you believe you bring to the table with your team? And we want to talk about TAB, your your platform, your educational platform. So let's take a brief break, hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Terry Thayer. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. PropString provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love Okay, guys, we are back with Terry Thayer out of the North Carolina market. He's doing some amazing things. And right before the break, we were talking about the team acquisitions, uh, transaction coordinators, dispositions, and things like that. So now I want to I pivot a little bit because what Terry has is something special. And I want you guys to be able to hear some of the things that he's really expressing as far as his team and him building his business. In this little short time, we can't get to everything that Terry is well-versed on. Like I said before, he's, you know, a wholesale company, fix and flip company, buy and hold company, does new builds, e-commerce, so much. Terry, I mean, what you're doing is is absolutely amazing over there, man. And I really applaud you for being, uh, being an example for other wholesalers and real estate investors throughout the country. So tell me, you've built this team, you're doing virtual deals, things like that. I know you said in Tennessee, Texas, right there in North Carolina. Tell me about this tab platform, your your educational platform, your educational group to really help people to get to that next level. Yeah. So first and foremost, everyone's like, what, what is tab? So tab is, it stands for the absolute best. It's start off as just an event uh, company, event platform. I used I, I do events. We do a couple masterminds a year in a place like Mexico, Jamaica, some type of all-inclusive resort. Sounds um, fun. I, yeah. Just actually just got back from one a week and a half ago. And then I have a big event that I do. This one's going to be in Mexico every September. So every September we do a week-long event bringing speakers from all over the country and, and people there's, I was shooting for 500. I'm not sure that COVID's going to allow me, we'll see how people feel about traveling because there's still a lot of people that are hesitant about traveling. Yep, I think yep. we'll end up being somewhere between the three and 500 range, but yeah, we get them down there. It's a, it's a pretty amazing week. What, what it looks like. So it's like four days, Four of the days, only four hours, so like nine to one, we're in the event space and we have the speakers and all that. And then after that, you could sign up. Up to 10 people can sign up to have lunch with the speakers or sponsors. And then it's just kind of like free time, hang out at the swim up bar, go get massages, whatever you want to do. One day I rent a big boat. We all go out on that boat for an entire day or sometimes it has to be this one might have to be uh, a couple of boats to get everybody on there. Well, I'll party, have fun. And then one day we ha- we do absolutely nothing. I don't schedule anything. So you can just kind of vacation. So this is like a mix of like networking, vacationing, learning, growing, getting to meet people that become lifelong friends. Like it's crazy. Like I see people talking that met at TAB and are completely different parts of the world or not world country. And they're, they're talking all the time and they're like best friends, see it all the time. So that's the educate or that's the event side of it. And then we have our mentorship program, uh, which teaches people. I focus more on the marketing acquisition side of things. Okay. Because I believe every business, as long as you have sales and marketing down pat, like you can just, you can take the rest and, and do whatever you want, right? There's so many different things that you can do. And you can grow your company. As long as you have the systems and processes on that part, the rest is just kind of comes with the territory. 
So that's what we focus on. And then we focus on, we also focus on like a lot about the sales, but then how you can start and take different pieces and add additional streams of income within the same business. Wow. All right. All right. So, and guys, what I want you to understand is that when you're invited to like these different real estate offshore events, Cancun and some of these other places, a lot of the learning is not really in the classrooms. Now, now hear me clearly. Yes, you do get that learning in the classrooms, but it's those relationships that you build outside of the classroom, like being in the pool and you sit in poolside and you talking to another real estate investor instead of, hey, how's your day going? Now you could talk about, hey, but this is what I'm doing in my business. I heard you was talking about this. How can I implement some of this in my, in my business? So you have to look at these events as training and educational opportunities. And not only that, you can write a lot of them off. Let's, let's be real with it. You can write them off and you can still have that scheduled trip to Cancun, but now you can write it off and it's a tax deductible event. So, so you guys are doing this, you're doing the acquisitions, you're doing tab, which is your event, event ideas. Tell me what is next Terry, for you and your company, seeing that the real estate market may transition here at some point, we know it's going to happen. We don't know when. Yeah. I mean, it's, we just have to shift with it. Are we going to stop doing real estate? Heck no. I'll probably buy more, right? I'm just going to, it's just buying a little bit different. It'll be a little bit different strategy. Maybe it's more longer term type of strategy, different types of borrowing, in different cases. So it's like, it's nothing's going to change. I mean, we're, we're starting, we're actually selling off a lot of our rental properties because we're at the peak of the market and we want to get more into buying more multifamilies. Okay. So, so that's where we're transitioning and shifting to this year, right? We're trying to, the, the, and then the only other thing I would say I'm personally, we're personally doing to prepare is not be as leveraged as we used to be. Remember I said I had 88 yep. at one time? So like you think you have 88 loans. When you're getting a loan on a new build or a flip, they're covering the whole thing at closing, not just the house and then you come back later with the with the build part. So you've there was a lot of debt. I mean, we, we typically carry, we were typically carrying between 10 and $16 million worth of debt at any given time. Wow. So- now, then, so we've been slimming that down. I want to try to like rehab a bunch of starts, a bunch of new builds, like 30 something new builds coming out of the ground. We're trying to get rid of all of our dirt and I don't want to buy any more new builds, any more land for new builds until okay. we get three quarters of the way through these. We'll get, we'll keep, and then we'll buy like just a couple at a time, have like five max. Like, I just don't want to be over leveraged and get gotcha. caught my pants down like people did in 2008. So that's how we're preparing. Okay. So you're, you're just looking at liquidating a little bit. That way you can have that cash on hand. So you don't get caught, like you said, out there over leverage. So Terry, real quick, we're going to jump into our hot seat. We're going to put Terry on the hot seat here. Terry, 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 hot seat, man. Tell me, tell me. Answer these questions for me as quickly as possible, but if you need to expound a little bit, do so. Starting over, what would you do differently? Hire coaches, mentors. I didn't know that they even existed until 2012 when I learned about private money. That's how I learned about private money. So I wish I had known 10 years earlier. I'd be so much further along. Okay. What is one characteristic you believe every high producing investor should have? Making decisions quickly, but strategically. Gotcha. That's one of the things that I'm working on. So I'm glad that you that you talked about that because sometimes I flip flop. Should I? Should not? Should I? Should not? And I need to just pull the trigger, make the decision, and deal with the repercussions afterwards. You got any good good book recommendations or video recommendations? Anything like that? Yeah, the one I keep talking about lately is called the Great Game of Business. Okay. That I remember I just said looking at it as a sport and, and really just showing the metrics and economics of your business. A lot of those ideas came from that that book right there. That book and Profit First. Read okay. 
what, about a year and a half, two years ago, we shifted all of our companies over to the profit first model. Those two books right there have been biggest game changers in the last couple of years. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then lastly, in parting, what words of encouragement can you give a newbie that's getting started? Think of yourself back in 2002, 2001. What would you tell yourself then? That expect the hard times, like take the good with the bad. Yeah, things are going to be great, but it's not going to be easy getting there. So just be patient and it will come, right? So people may look at me as they, uh, there's people, it's funny, like people in the wholesaling world, right? Now that I've really made a, a big break over the last couple of years, they're like thinking I'm just new to the market. Like I'm an overnight success. I'm yeah. a 20 something year old, a 20 something year uh, overnight success, right? It, it took a lot of failing and, and falling on my face and losing money and, growth and change and being hit from every angle to get to where I am. At one point in time, I was working 100, 120 hours a week and I wasn't able to take vacations and do those things. But by having the right coaches, putting the right systems, processes and, and people in place allows me to grow and do the businesses that I do today. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Terry, I want to thank you. I want to appreciate you for being on with us on today. I mean, you dropped some gems, a wealth of knowledge. Wealth of Actually, you know what, man? There, there's a lot that we didn't even touch that I'm, I may send you an invite for you to come back on. That way we can do a part two to really drive into some of, you know, the fix and flips and the new builds and even touch on the e-commerce business that you're, that you're working in. So, Terry, I really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for being here. Lastly, before we leave, guys, Terry, how can we get in contact with you if we want more information from you? Yeah, so pretty much any social profiles is Terry Thayer, I-I-T-H-A-Y-E-R-I-I. I stands for in the second. So Terry Thayer the second, Terry Thayer I-I, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. And then TerryThayerII.com. Okay, you guys got it. What to do? You need to move at the speed of instruction, as my good friend Jay Massey would say. So, Terry, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day and remain to be profitable. Thanks, bro. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, there was so much there that we needed to unpack. We couldn't get to all of it. Like I said, Terry, I wanted to focus on the wholesaling and really the team building side of everything. Uh, because when you're getting started, even if it's just you, you need to start planning for the greater, planning for the bigger. So that means what you're doing now, you need to document, write it down that way. When you bring somebody on, an acquisitions manager, a lead manager, or someone like that, you have the processes and you have the SOPs in place to make that training a little bit easier. I do thank Terry for everything that he gave us. I am going to invite him back because he has so much more to give and so much more that we can glean from to give you guys an opportunity to really hone your skills and get out there and really understand this whole concept of real estate investing and not to do it on your own as a solopreneur. I was stuck in that trap as a solopreneur for so many years. I didn't understand the power and the impact of partnership. My limited mindset was I wanted 100% of everything versus 50% of the all, of the greater. So I want you guys to keep that in mind. Terry also talked about the importance of mentorship and the importance of having someone over you that can show you the right way to do things, to expedite that learning curve, to make sure you get out there and do it a lot faster. Yes, you can learn it from podcasts like these. You can learn it from YouTube. You can learn it from Instagram, watching others. But the way you're actually going to learn it is by going out there and doing it and limit your mistakes by having that mentor, by having that coach, by having that person next to you. And it doesn't have to be a high dollar coach where you're paying 30, 40, $50,000 for, but find another wholesaler, find another investor that's in your market, that's close to you, that may not be doing everything on such a high scale, but still a little bit ahead of you. So you can start 
picking up some of those nuggets, picking up some of those, those things that you're really looking to learn. So again, guys, I'm here to make sure I impart the right wisdom, the right instructions into you so you can get out there and do this business on a high level. We have some awesome things just to switch gears. We have some awesome things coming up. We're jumping out and going into a new market. We're doing some new things. We have some amazing opportunities for you directly, and we'll be rolling that stuff out here shortly. So I want you to always remember the opportunity is out there. You have the capabilities and the skills to get things done. Only thing you have to do is start to implement what you're learning here. So it's Marcus Maloney. I'm going to wrap up there. Remember, if you need contracts, you need anything, you need a 15-minute free consultation with me, you need a purchase agreement, assignment agreement, 15 questions to validate your seller, let me know. Just respond in this, this podcast or reach out to me on my social platforms and we'll make sure we get that stuff over to you. We want to, again, we want to make sure you have what you need in order to get started in the right way. So Marcus Maloney, I'm signing off guys. Remember to always enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.